Well, good morning. How is everyone doing this morning? Good, good. I like that. A lot of excitement in the air this morning. That's good. I'm going to assume it's because you're excited about the proclamation of the Word of God. And if it's for any other reason, do me a favor and just don't tell me, okay? Um, I can can live with my ignorance and ability to be naive for just a moment. Um, But I got to tell you, it is so good to see you. It is so good to see you all. Uh, Here this morning, uh, many of you wearing your favorite uh, teams. Uh, This is good for me as a pastor to see that you are doing simply because it now shows me who here are people that I definitely need to pray for. Um, I see a lot of Buccaneer fans in the room, so immediately following service before uh, we eat uh, soup and sandwiches, we'll have an opportunity to share the gospel and uh, make sure you're right with the Lord and start pulling for a a better team. But we won't talk about that. Okay, we'll let it go. So anyway, I do want to thank you guys this morning. Ted's giving me the look. I see you, Steve. Sharon won't even acknowledge me right now. That's okay. They're all wearing Buccaneer jerseys, and I'm okay with that right now. So anyway, having said that, um, I want to take a moment, if I could, uh, to uh, just let you know where we are and where we're going. Uh, We are jumping back into our study through the Gospel of Mark, and we are going to finish out the Gospel of Mark, uh, hopefully, as we get into this spring season. And so if you are uh, reading ahead, and I hope and pray that you are, I am sure that uh, many of you have been waiting for this topic uh, this morning. Several of you have been texting me and emailing me throughout the weekend, um, letting me know that you are praying for me, and I do greatly appreciate that. Um, And I imagine many of you are in here wondering how we are going to handle our text this morning. Now, if you don't know what I'm talking about, then at this point, whether you do or whether you don't, I would invite you to turn with me to the Gospel of Mark. We're going to begin reading in Mark chapter 10. And as you go there, you will quickly begin to see what it is that we're going to be talking about today. And so our topic for this morning is the conversation of divorce. Now... Here's the truth about divorce. There are few issues that have caused more grief, few issues that have caused more soul-searching and more study than what the Bible says, particularly about divorce and about remarriage. In fact, I would imagine that some of us in the room at hearing the words divorce are already uncomfortable with hearing these words from the pulpit, especially in a time where divorce is so common, many pastors avoid the subject in order to keep from hurting people's feelings and ultimately keeping away conflict within the church. In fact, I would imagine that there are some of you in the room who are single here and already at this point at hearing the words marriage, divorce, remarriage, you have already begun to tune me out and to say simply that this is not a message for you today. In fact, this topic, particularly the text in Mark chapter 10, you also see it in Matthew chapter 19, this is a topic that is so serious and carries so much controversy that many biblical scholars believe that the Bible is no longer relevant to this particular issue, especially seeing as how we live in a society and live in a world of what's considered no-fault divorce. Now, if I could be just honest with you for a moment, the church has a dismal 
an embarrassing track record on this particular topic. Many believers in our churches are so casual about the topic that now it is almost as common as losing a neighbor or losing friends. In fact, there are many people who claim to be followers of Jesus Christ who will sit there and say that the issue of divorce now is so light, it's almost like losing a pair of socks in the dryer. You see, we live in a culture now that tells us we have a right to be happy. And with that, we have now lost sight of the fact that divorce can be more traumatic at times than losing a spouse or even losing a parent. In fact, it was John Piper who said these words, death is usually clean pain. Divorce, however, is usually dirty pain. Now, I'm going to go ahead and admit this morning, I am not attempting to make light of the pain of death. I cannot begin to fathom or even imagine what it's like to lose a spouse or a loved one who is near and dear to us. But I do want us to understand this morning that there is clearly, according to Scripture, a significant amount of pain that can be caused with divorce. So this morning, what I want us to do is I want us to explore what the Bible says about divorce in light of Mark chapter 10. Now, this study this morning demands our most careful and our most humble efforts to walk through. So this morning will be unlike any other morning. We are literally just going to take this one verse at a time to make sure that we are clear on what's being said in the Word of God, but then at the same time to make sure that we understand the grace of God that can be found in these words. Now, I stand before you as your pastor, and I acknowledge this morning that many of you here today have walked a road that I cannot even begin to imagine or a road that I cannot even begin to understand. So with that being said, I am not looking to offend you this morning. I am simply looking to the truth of the gospel, and I don't want us to miss the message today in order to, uh, to miss this message today, and I don't want us to listen to this message today and it to bring back old feelings of hurts or old of Jesus Christ. That is not the goal of our text. It definitely was not the goal of Jesus Christ when he proclaimed this. Rather, if you are here, if you have dealt with divorce before, whether you were a child and had to walk through divorce with your parents or whether you were a person who had to experience the pain of divorce for whatever that reason may be, I want you to see this message this morning in your current context. We're not looking to dig up old hurts. We're not looking to dig up old wounds. I want you to see this in your current context, whether you're here today and you're single, whether you're here today and you've, you've dealt with the death of a loved one or a spouse and you're a widow now, whether you're here today and you're married, whether you're here today and you have remarried, I want you to see this passage in your current context as it exists today, knowing this, that at the end of this context, we are going to land at the same point, which is this, the gospel of Jesus Christ is alive. 
the gospel of Jesus and the grace that can be found in him is alive and well. And we as believers in Christ, we as broken vessels before our Lord, we have been covered in grace. We have been offered forgiveness. And so now in Mark chapter 10, we are now called to a deeper walk with Jesus Christ as it exists in our current context. So having said that, if you have your Bibles, and I hope you do, we are in the Gospel of Mark. Mark chapter 10, we're going to begin reading in verse 1. If you have found your place in the Bible and you can and you are able, I would invite you now to stand in honor of the reading of the Word of God. Now this is the Word of God. According to Mark, in Mark chapter 10, beginning in verse 1, we read, And he left there and went to the region of Judea and beyond the Jordan, and crowds gathered to him again. And again, as was his custom, he taught them. And Pharisees came up, and in order to test him, asked, Is it lawful for a man to divorce his wife? He answered them, what did Moses command you? They said to him, Moses allowed a man to write a certificate of divorce and to send her away. And Jesus said to them, because of your hardness of heart, he wrote you this commandment. But from the beginning of creation, God made them male and female. Therefore, a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh, so they are no longer two, but one flesh. What therefore God has joined together, let not man separate. And in the house, the disciples asked him again about this matter. And he said to them, whoever divorces his wife and marries another commits adultery against her. And if she divorces her husband and marries another, she too commits adultery. Let's pray together. Father God, we come before you right now, Lord, thanking you for this day. We thank you for this time, and we thank you for the opportunity that we have to worship you. Lord, we ask in these next few moments, in a time where there are so many distractions happening, whether it be in this room or on our devices or around the world. Father, I pray for these next few moments that we would hold fast to you. Father, I pray that as we unpack this text in Mark chapter 10, Father, we ask and pray that we would hear your truth clearly, that we would see the calling you've placed upon our life, that we would see the grace that comes from knowing you and that, Father, in these next few moments, that as we study your word together, that you and you alone would be glorified. Lord, you have called us to honor you with our worship. You have called us to honor you with our lives. And so, Father, I pray that that would be our hearts cry today as we seek to better understand you according to your word. Now, Father, walk with us in these next few moments. Give us wisdom, give us clarity, prepare our hearts, and give us ears to hear. And Father, may you and you alone be glorified, for it is in your precious and holy name we pray. Amen. Thank you. You can be seated. Now, as we can see, these are powerful words from our powerful Lord. 
So let's just do this this morning. Normally, I, I take a moment and set the scene for you, but what I'd rather do this morning is I'd rather us just carefully dive into this text this morning and see what it is that the Lord wants us to know about our marriages today. Again, our marriages in our current context. So whether you are currently married, whether you are currently single, wherever you are in this particular moment with your relationships, let's focus on that today and how it relates to Mark chapter 10. So beginning in verse 1, we read that Jesus left there and went to the region of Judea and beyond the Jordan and crowds gathered to him. And again, as was his custom, he taught them. Now it says to us that he left there. Now here we are getting our setting for where Jesus Christ is. We see not only where he is, but we also get a glimpse to where it is he is moving. Now Jesus has now set out on his final journey from Galilee to Jerusalem. And so he finds himself in an area north of Jericho, which is actually near the same area where his ministry began some three years before. Now clearly Christ has set his eyes on the will of God, which for Jesus Christ, the will of God was his sacrificial death that was coming once he arrived to Jerusalem. However, even in this moment, knowing the will of God, notice that Jesus Christ has not forgotten that the focus of his ministry is teaching. You see, the disciples who were with Jesus, they still had much to learn. And so Jesus continues to teach them here. Now, this is a good lesson for us because here is the reality of our own lives. It doesn't matter where we are in life. It doesn't matter if you are a child, if you are a newborn, if you are a middle schooler or a high schooler or a college student or a single who's starting your career. It doesn't matter if you're in a relationship or you're engaged. It doesn't matter if you're newly wedded or nearly wedded or you're still newlyweds, even though we're year two, three, four into this thing. It doesn't matter if you have children or you don't have children. It doesn't matter if you have grandchildren or if you're at that point in your life where you have grandchildren and you have the wonderful life of visiting with them for a moment, filling them with sugar, and then sending them home, okay? It doesn't matter. According to this text, where we are in life, the reality is this. We still don't have it all together. We still have much to learn. You see, the disciples here, even though they had walked with Jesus, even though they had seen miracles, even though they'd heard his teachings, again, we're, we're getting towards the end of Jesus' discipleship discourse. So chapter 8, chapter 9, this is all about Jesus teaching the disciples. Here we are in chapter 10. He's going to begin wrapping it up. But even after all they have learned, they would still admit that they are still a mess. They are still learning. So you see us too, whether we are young or whether we are old, no matter where we are in life, or maybe, maybe you don't call yourself old, maybe you just say you're young at heart, whatever it may be, okay, we still have much to learn. 
we still have a lot that we need to learn. And with that learning, we as a generation have much that we need to pass on to the next generation as well. So my prayer for us as a church is this, according to verse 1, that we would be consistent in our teaching and in what it is we are being taught as we seek to grow in righteousness. You see, because here's the reality. None of us in this room, whether you're a new believer or whether you've been a believer for 40 years and you've been active in a church for all 40 of those years, none of us have gotten to a point where we have found ourselves fully righteous before the Lord. We will not achieve that until we open our eyes on the other side of glory. So as long as we are here, we still have much to learn. Now we get into verse 2. The Pharisees have now come again to question Jesus Christ. They were looking for any method they could to attack Jesus, to question him, to consider him a false prophet, and to ultimately put him to death. So they come to Jesus and they ask him, is it lawful for a man to divorce his wife? Now, to understand the question, we need to understand more about the Pharisees during Jesus' day. You see, there were actually two competing rabbinic schools of thought. The first one was a more conservative school, followed by Rabbi Shammai, who believed that the only grounds for divorce was either adultery or sexual immorality. The second school of thought was a more liberal school, followed by Rabbi Hillel, who believed that divorce could be granted for any type of indecency whatsoever. So for the Pharisees in Jesus' day, most of them followed the liberal school of thought and Rabbi Hillel, which ultimately for the Jews made divorce that much easier. Now the reality is the Pharisees wanted to make this easy for the people because even in divorce and then ultimately remarriage, the Pharisees wanted to keep it as loose and as liberal as possible because it ultimately gave them control and it gave them authority over the people. You see, the Pharisees had to grant divorce. The Pharisees were also the ones who granted marriage. Now, I'll go ahead and say this. There is no greater way to control a culture or a society than to determine to them, for them, who they can and can't spend the rest of their life with. There is no greater control that anyone can have to sit there and look at a family and determine for them not only who you can marry, how many children you can have, what job you could possibly do, and if for some reason you fall out of love, then we can tell you whether or not you're allowed to leave that person. You see, the Pharisees had total control under this teaching. So in order to test Jesus, it says that they came to Jesus to test him. In other words, they were trying to thrust Jesus back into a debate like the ones that many of of us find ourselves in today. But notice this about the Pharisees. When they came to Jesus Christ, they wanted to talk about divorce. But for Jesus... When asked the question, Jesus decides to talk about marriage. 
he decides to talk about God's divine blueprint for marriage. Then we get to verses 3 and 4. Now notice what happens here. Jesus, when asked the question, he now turns the question back to the Pharisees and asks them, well, what did Moses command you? Now, the Pharisees in verse 4 answer this question by giving a summary of what Moses teaches in Deuteronomy chapter 24, verses 1 through 4, which allowed regulations for a divorce certificate. Now, here's the reality. The Bible never condones divorce. However, it does recognize the reality of divorce. We see this in Deuteronomy chapter 24, which is what the Pharisees quoted. We also see it again with the prophet Isaiah in Isaiah chapter 50, verse 1, and again with the prophet Jeremiah in Jeremiah chapter 3, verse 1, and then also in verses 8 through 9. So you realize here, this was one of those moments where when the Pharisees were quoting Scripture, they weren't wrong in this moment. But notice how Jesus is now going to flip the entire script on them by reminding them that context is key when it comes to interpretation of the text. We get to verses 5 through 9. Notice Jesus here opens by saying, Because of your hardness of heart, he wrote you this command or this commandment. Now, Jesus acknowledges here that it is our sin. It is our walking away from God that leads us to break the commands of God. Then he goes on to say this, but from the beginning. In other words, Jesus here points to the fact that marriage was to be a permanent relationship between man and woman. This was God's purpose from the beginning. You see, Jesus teaches us this by briefly quoting passages from Genesis chapter 1, verse 27, Genesis chapter 2, verse 24, Exodus chapter 20, verse 14. What we learn from Jesus in this moment is that marriage is a good gift from a great God to be enjoyed. And we see all this once we get to Genesis chapter 2, verses 18 through 25. You see, marriage is the joining of two wills. It's the joining of two minds. It's the joining of two sets of God-given emotions. So marriage itself is not only a sacred covenant given to us by God, but it is also a reflection of the spiritual union of Jesus Christ and his church. We read about this in Paul's letter to Ephesus in Ephesians chapter 5 verses 21 through 23. You see, Jesus, according to Paul's writings to Ephesus, Jesus would never divorce his wife. And so at this moment, in our current context, we should look to our spouses now and as believers like Christ, look to them and say, under no circumstance, Will I ever leave you? 
This is John Piper also quoted when he said this of marriage. He said, the ultimate meaning of marriage is the representation of the covenant-keeping love between Jesus Christ and his church. However, let's get back to the question at hand and what was taught. Now, by the time we look to Deuteronomy chapter 24, we can clearly see that the regulations Moses puts into place are not a part of God. Now, to understand, but are rather instituted because of our hardness of hearts. Now, to understand the phrase, the hardness of hearts or the hardening of hearts, we need to go back and see the parallel verse that is found in Matthew chapter 19 and verse 8. Here we see the Pharisees ask the same question. And Jesus responds the same way. But here in verse 8, we see a follow-up question that comes from the Pharisees where they ask, well, why did Moses command this? Again, their goal was to trap Jesus. But I also imagine at this time, there were several Pharisees who were confused by Jesus' answer. And so they wanted to know, why would Moses command this and say it was okay? But notice what Jesus does. He responds the same way he did in our passage today. So in order to understand what Jesus means, we need to understand what he is talking about when he speaks of our hardness of heart. You see, this passage should not be understood to mean that only the hard-hearted people of the world are the ones who would ever initiate divorce. Rather, when we read because of our hardness of heart, we need to read it this way. Because there was hard-hearted rebellion. Because there is hard-hearted rebellion against God among us, that rebellion leads to serious sin and can ultimately lead to the defilement of our marriages. You see, our hardness of heart leads us to lying. Our hardness of heart, our rebellion against God leads us to our sins of pride. Our hardness of heart, our rebellion is what leads us to our hate. And yes, it is our rebellion against God that will ultimately lead to the defilement of our marriages if we are not careful. You see, this defilement of marriages it ultimately leads to an irrevocable damage that can last throughout the lifetime of a marriage that same damage could not only damage our marriage it could damage the people around us the children that we are trying to raise and yes it can damage our communities as well God allowed divorce. However, even when divorce is allowed, it is only in very specific grounds and it is never required. Again, divorce is not what God intended from the beginning of creation when he created a suitable helper for Adam. This whole bone of my bone and flesh of my flesh was meant for a lifetime of togetherness. This is why Jesus echoes the words from Genesis when he concludes by quoting, what therefore God has joined together, let not man separate. 
So you see, this, this message in Mark 10, this is for all of us. If you're reading this today and you are single in the room, then by God's grace, your prayer should be one that, that pleads with God to be the kind of person that will one day honor your spouse in a way that makes much of Jesus Christ. I would pray also for you that according to this passage, by God's grace, you would see your singleness as an opportunity to maximize your efforts to advance the gospel. The reality is, as a single person, it doesn't get easier than it does right now. Now, if you are here and you are married in the room, then by God's grace, according to the text, let us love our spouses in a way that ultimately portrays and points people to the gospel. My prayer is that our marriages would be a reflection of Jesus Christ's relationship with the church. It would be a relationship built upon humble sacrifice, a relationship built upon love, a relationship built upon grace, a relationship that is built upon the thought that we would never leave one another, we will never forsake one another. Now, if you are here today and you've had to walk the journey of divorce, and then ultimately, you remarried. Then by God's grace, according to the text in Mark chapter 10, by his grace, commit to your spouse to reflect the gospel in your marriage from this day forward. If you were here today and you were in a married relationship and you were thinking about divorce, then by God's grace, hear Christ's words in Mark chapter 10, verses 1 through 12. Remember the preciousness and the power of the gospel, and remember that the gospel can change even the hardest of hearts. You see, the gospel changes everything for us. It changes the way we raise our children. It changes the way we worship. It changes the way we do life. And it changes the way we treat our marriages. And so my prayer is that we would reflect Jesus Christ's words and by his glory, may we stay joined together. We get to verses 10 through 12, and Jesus is clearly not done. Here Jesus now finds himself alone in a house with the disciples, and they ask him further about the question of divorce. Again, we see Jesus addressing the hardened heart issue by saying those who divorce and marry, ultimately they commit adultery. Now, don't miss this. Jesus is wanting the disciples to understand again God's original plan for marriage, that marriage is to be a lasting commitment. So Jesus teaches here that marriage is a sacred covenant that should not be taken lightly as the Pharisees want it done. Now Jesus here uses the word adultery. And here's that point where we often get uncomfortable with the text. But we need to understand that the word adultery is being used in order for Jesus to get his point across as to the seriousness of divorce. Now, before we start casting stones, 
before we start feeling guilty, before we start feeling hurt about where we are in our current relationships, let's remember what else Jesus teaches us about adultery. You see, Jesus in Matthew chapter 5, verses 27 through 28 says this, And you have heard that it was said, You shall not commit adultery. But I say to you that everyone who looks at a woman with lustful intent has already committed adultery with her in his heart. You see, adultery is already considered a serious offense. We see this in the Old Testament, Exodus chapter 20, verse 14. Adultery violates another person, but it also breaks the marriage covenant that is a reflection of the relationship between God and his people, according to Malachi chapter 2, verse 14. Now, Jesus here says that even when we look upon someone, he takes it a step further, even when we look upon someone with lustful intent, we have now committed the sin of adultery. Why? Because adultery begins in the heart. Adultery begins at the very center of our identity and the very center of our will. In other words, it is not enough to simply maintain physical purity as a single or to honor our marriages as a married couple. We must also guard ourselves of committing an act of mental or emotional unfaithfulness. You see, the truth is Jesus is now showing the disciples that divorce simply doesn't begin as a physical act, but it is a sign of a sin-stained state of the heart. Now, when you read this passage, if you've heard the Matthew passage before, Mark leaves out the phrase, except in acts of sexual immorality. Now, there are a lot of thoughts as to why Mark left this out, but the most popular reason is because the Jews and Gentiles who were currently living in a Roman context, in a Roman culture, which would have been Mark's audience, would have already known this to be true. Now, also with that, Mark wants the reader to know that Jesus was not simply addressing that particular issue here. However, he was addressing addressing the many other causes of divorce that the Pharisees were allowing. So he reminds them of God's original intent for the sacred covenant of marriage. Again, God's intent was this. It was for man and for woman to remain together and never divorce. Now, it is worth noting here that in verse 12, Jesus actually lists the woman as those who could initiate divorce. In other words, Jesus here is teaching that women are as important as men in terms of making a lasting relationship work. In other words, we recognize biblically that there is a role and an order in terms of leadership. However, for man and woman, they are equal in service, they are equal in grace, and they are equal in their love for one another. Divorce is a tough topic. Divorce is a tough topic for us to approach, and the goal for today was for us to see how we are to respond in our current situations and our current relationships. You see, we need to realize that marriage is a sacred covenant that we make before God. We also need to realize that marriage is a gift from God. Marriage is the work of God. 
Too often times in our society, we want to say things like, well, I fell in love, therefore I got married. Well, here's the reality. Talk to any person who's been married 20, 30, 40 years, and they will tell you it is just as easy and quick to fall out of love as it is to fall into it. When we marry someone, we are covenanting with them before God saying that no matter what happens every day I will wake up and choose to love you I will choose to show you grace I will choose to serve you and I choose to lead you to the throne of God daily as best as I can and I'm going to go ahead and tell you some days that's hard to commit to I know for a fact there are probably days where my wife wakes up and looks over on the other side of the bed and she has to make a verbal commitment to choose the hot mess that is laying beside her. I know I look good now, but trust me, I am not this pretty at six in the morning. Okay? Jesus in teaching us, Mark chapter 10. Jesus acknowledges that we live in a fallen world. We have sin-stained hearts. We have hardened hearts. Even as believers in Christ, we still have blind spots in our lives where we are hard. So Jesus acknowledges, yes, divorce will occur. However, he says this, no divorce has to be necessary if our hearts are grounded in the gospel. I want to close, if I could, with a few more thoughts. And I'm going to ask Corey and the team to go ahead and come back up and join me on stage. I recognize that this is not the easiest of topics. But I want us to understand that according to the Gospels, in our relationships, we may hurt one another. In fact, I'm quite confident in our marriage relationships, there are going to be times, whether we recognize it or not, we're going to say and do hurtful things. It's going to happen because we are people who are naturally bent towards sin. But we need to realize that even in our relationships, there is forgiveness. In our relationships, there is grace. In our relationships, there is a need For confession, there is also a need of repentance because we could all look at each other right now and say, no, not one of us has it all together. But by God's grace, we will grow towards righteousness. My prayer is that we would seek forgiveness from our spouses for not leading well. Maybe, maybe then at that moment we could seek forgiveness from them and then begin to work hard at glorifying God in our actions and our words and leading our spouses to a relationship where they too will make much of Jesus and glorify God in all things. So whether you are single or married, may we strive to be a blessing for our spouse. And by God's grace, according to his gospel, my prayer is that our marriages, our, our marriages would be relationships that would ultimately reflect the relationship that Jesus Christ has with his church. May we love one another, cherish one another, sacrifice for one another, and ultimately strive to call one another to a deeper walk with Jesus Christ. You see, marriage is sacred. But the reality is marriage is also hard. However, 
we can rest in this no matter where we are. Single, married, divorced, does not matter. The gospel of Jesus Christ is good. May our remarriages, may our relationships reflect the hope that can be found in the gospel. Let's pray together.